Welcome to the Equipping for Life podcast by Pastor Tony Paolo. Listen as Pastor Tony provides tactical tools to overcome obstacles in your everyday life. Luke chapter 2, verse 7. Actually, Luke chapter 2, verse 7. It's kind of weird. And 12. I know exegetically we should read it in context, but if you look at verses 8, 9, 10, 11... You read it before. And so I really want to pull out Luke chapter 2, verses 7 and 12 and talk about focusing on the divinity and the humanity of Christ. And I'm particularly excited about this insight in these couple of verses that I hope that it will bless you um, today. Amen. Everybody ready? Luke chapter 2. This is what it says. And she brought forth her firstborn son, and wrapped him in swaddling clothes and laid him in a manger because there was no room for them in the inn. And this will be a sign to you, he says. You will find a babe wrapped in swaddling clothes lying in a manger. This, I think this, I'm excited for this because we typically focus on Jesus as being divinity. Jesus is God. Jesus, thank you for being my Lord and Savior. You are God. But we also forget that he came as a human. And I'm going to use my, my father-in-law's definition of the incar- incarnation. The incarnation is the unity of divinity and humanity in Christ. Philip Fair. Giving a shout out to my father-in-law. All the way in Florida. Left New York City during COVID. Woo! We forget. Now, Jesus wasn't 50% God and 50% man. He was... Our brains will never be able to grasp this. He was fully God and fully man. But when he came to this earth, he didn't come to this earth as God. He came to this earth as man. What he accomplished, the miracles, get this now, the miracles that he accomplished, he didn't accomplish in his divinity. He accomplished in his humanity. This is important that we grasp this because according to Philippians chapter 2 verse 7, He gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. So what happened here, Now it doesn't say that he gave up his divinity. It says he gave up the privileges that came along with his divinity. What were his privileges? His superpowers. X-Men, Marvel, DC, anybody followers? A couple of you, you know what I'm saying? Like if somebody loses their powers, that's the end of the story. In this case... He lost his powers, and this is the beginning of the story. If you had, if you had, if you want, what's your superpower that you would want? Honey, what is it? Teleportation. What would be your superpower? Being invisible. Be, oh, being invisible? No, hope. No. Teleportation is better. But here, he left, so he's going down to heaven as an infant, why? He says, I could do this. I have all these privileges and all these powers. And now the notion here in the story is that you've got to leave your superpowers behind. He didn't give up his divinity. He gave up his powers. So today we're going to talk about what that journey looks like as a human being and what that means for you and for myself. 
Our brains will never be able to grasp the fact, how can Jesus be both? But according to the book of Philippians now, he gave up his divine privileges. He took the humble position and came as a human. And we begin this, we begin this journey um, of Jesus as a human by him being born as an infant. You know the story. It's called the Christmas story. And we begin this journey with, we can't miss the fact that he wore swaddling clothes. Story that we've heard before, Luke chapter 2. You know what? Let's correct that. It wasn't swaddling clothes. It was swaddling cloths. Let's correct that. All right? Because some of the newer uh, translations say clothes, but the Greek was cloths. So basically, he was wrapped in swaddling rags. He wasn't, we think Jesus wore a onesie. And, and for those of you who just had a baby or you're pregnant now, you'll appreciate, all, you'll appreciate Women's and Infants uh, Hospital where everything is sterile. Amen. Everything is clean. Everything is, did you wash your hands? Don't touch my baby. Don't look at my baby. Yeah, that's going to be, I know that, that's somebody. We're not going to mention. Don't look at my baby. Don't talk to my baby. Don't smile at my baby. Don't, don't, touch, my, don't touch my baby's left toe. Everything has to be sterile. This was not this is not cute and cuddly and cozy. This was a mess. This was a, a disaster that anybody could have been contaminated with germs. Jesus wore cloths. He wore bandages. He, wore, he was wrapped in strips of clothes. And just in, in Hebrew tradition, what they would do when children were born, they were washed in water, right? Um, a little different than what they do in women in infants' hospital. Um, when they were washed in water, they would be rubbed in salt. Be like, okay, honey, this is going to burn. <laughs> Why does salt? Well, to prevent germs and to kill germs. That's all. And it, and, it, and it was very, very uncomfortable for the baby. They wrapped, just like very similar to the traditions that we have now, they would wrap them in these claws very tightly for comfort, uh, for protection, and also to mimic the womb, right? So let's get this straight so far. So Jesus gave up his divine powers to be wrapped in strips of cloths. Yes. And this is why God had to say, the angel had to say, hold on a second, verse 12. This will be a sign to you. That the baby will be wrapped in swaddling cloths and be laying in the manger. Why was a sign necessary? Well, because in everybody's mind now, when you think of a king coming, because I would expect the angel to say, this will be a sign to you. Jesus will come in a parade of pomp and circumstances and trumpets blown and fireworks, and he'll be wearing a royal onesie. No, that's what we expect when you hear a king. So this was had to be really clear that this king would be wrapped in swaddling cloths and also lying in a manger. They were expecting what usually is expected when a king comes to town. Not this king. You'll find this infant dressed in swaddling cloths and lying in an area where animals usually feed. Lying in a manger. No, a manger is actually a feeding trough where cows and sheep would just eat from we're going to put the infant there this king would be shrouded in bandages the in bethlehem there's probably about that night two or three babies born every every night in bethlehem and, and put in swaddling clothes but this one here you'd find in a feeding trough 
Now, I want you to consider when you've ever seen a, a baby being born. Everything's very meticulous. Everything is very, leg- everything is very systematic, all centered around making sure that that baby does not get sick and has enough time for the immune system to be built up. In this case, they broke all the rules against a, uh, an environment that would not be sterile. The, so let's get this straight so far. Jesus left behind his divine privileges, wore strips of rags, and was, his cradle was a feeding trough. The, the infant Jesus, who become the Savior of the world, the King of kings and Lord of lords, who we worshipped here this morning, laid inside of an area where cows eat from. Now, there's a perfect explanation as to why this happened, had to happen the way it happened. There's a perfect explanation as to why Jesus wore baby clothes. The first reason was because God wanted to rebuke the wealthy and the status of, of wealth and position and rank. And see, the, and because the Jews missed, to this day, the Jews missed Jesus as the Messiah. So do, you know, do you realize, if you know anyone Jewish, they don't believe that Jesus is the Messiah. Did you know that? The Hasidic Jews are waiting for Jesus the Messiah because they expected somebody in a royal onesie, but Jesus didn't come like that. And they said, nope, our king would come with pomp and circumstance. So God wanted to rebuke the status of the wealth of the world, position and rank. Now, we always talk about other countries. We went to India, and, and, and they, have, they still have the caste system. Now, we could say that doesn't exist in America, but in one way or another, it still does, right? So when we went to India, um, we, had, we, we, would always have, we had our driver for the week. It was 10 days that we were there, and the driver would take us everywhere. We went, and we would go into the restaurant to eat. And the, the, the people who were leading the trip, Indian, they would say, uh, you stay in the car, but they would say that in language. And we would go out to eat, and, and the driver would stay in the car. And I explained, why did the driver have to stay in the car? I'm like, what is his name? He goes, we don't know his name. Yeah, I started to, I was like, you look, I like, you look like my brother. We're going to call you Christopher. I was trying to think of the name. That's right, it was Christopher. And so I was like, Christopher is coming to eat with us. And the whole community was like, (gasps) I'm so grateful that Jesus sees all of us as plain. We're all simple. We're all at the cross. The ground is level at the cross. There is no caste system. There is no royalty. Everyone is royalty. There's no positioning. And to this day, the Jews did not believe that it was the Messiah. Why? Because he came as the underdog. And I'll say this, God loves the underdog. God loves the underdog because he can trust the underdog. Why? Because when everything is said and done, what does the underdog say? It was all about him. He helped me. So God really wanted to rebuke the the world and rebuke the wealthy and rebuke this mindset of positioning and ranking. But he also wanted to rebuke the believer. And I'll tell you why. Because I don't know if you know this, but the first revelation came to the Magi who were essentially astronomers. The Magi were astronomers. The Magi were pagans. Do you realize that? That the angel came to a group of pagans to say, hey, the sign will be. This is your sign. When you see the star, the sign will be. You'll see a baby wrapped in swaddling cloth, laying in a manger. How is it that God first came to the pagans? Because the pagans were expecting Jesus more than the, the, the believers were. 
Let's see. This is a problem for me because to me, why didn't he come? Why didn't he come to men and women of faith? No, he came to the pagans. Let it not be said that pagans are more receptive than believers. Sometimes us as believers, we've done this for so long and we become so professional at being a Christian. And what happens is the miracle will miss you but hit the pagan. Yeah, I'm going there. We began, yeah, for, for those of you who've been saved for a long time, sometimes we just kind of become like, whew. I used to worship like that when I first came to Jesus. You remember those days, honey, when I was really passionate? I always used to jump, not anymore. Because that's for the new believer. We have, so our oldest, we have five kids. Our oldest, Kristen, all, all, every one of our kids has fallen off the bed one, one time or another. <laughs> Don't judge me. You, you fell off the bed too. And you, you turned out all right, Harry. Look at you. When our firstborn fell off the bed, we were like, emergency room right now, MRI, CAT scan, x-ray, another test, do it again, Chester, everything. Because we are new parents, we're like, this is very important for us. And by the time the fifth came along, we were like, Sam fell off the bed, get up, Sam. She's like four weeks old, get up. We become so professional at what we do, we're like, just, just get up. Put the baby in front of the screen with the TV, prop up the bottle. We're just so good at this, you know? <laughs> How many parents are like, no screen time? <laughs> Jesus had screen time. No, no mind. So the pa- Jesus, their eyes, they were pagans. That means they were superstitious. That means they were astronomers. But their eyes were already positioned. The Jews were looking for a parade. The pagans were looking for a star. And in the pagans' mind, as astronomers, they knew a king was going to be born. But a superstitious beliefs, they understood is every time a king is born, there'd be a star in the sky. So when the angel came, they said the only people receptive here were not the believers, but the pagans. You don't have to be special to receive this miracle. You don't have to be special to receive this news. All you have to do is have your eyes to the sky. Be, live in anticipation. Even if you struggle in your trust, even if you struggle in your faith, look with anticipation. Jesus said, when you see these things happen, look up for your redemption, draweth nigh. Just anticipate the news and the sign will make sense. Christ's entrance into the world also enables us. He came to rebuke the wealthy, came to rebuke the believer. But this, this kind of entry into the world enables us to connect with the human side of Jesus. Let's look at Hebrews chapter 4, verse 15. For we do not have an high priest which cannot be touched with the feeling of our infirmities, but was in all points tempted as we are, yet without sin. So I want you to take everything that you've ever felt in the last year, all the pain, the agony, the loss, the rejection, the abandonment, the pain, the, the, the depression, the sadness, the anxiety, the pulling, the tension. The Bible says here, he feels what you have felt ever. Now, let's take everybody's collective pain and emotion. You know, usually it's annoying when you go through something and somebody says, I know how you feel. I'm like, no, you don't. <laughs> don't that's not really a nice thing to say. Because it's like, oh, now it's about you, huh? 
But Jesus can truly say, I know how you feel. He says, I know how you feel and was without sin. So what he accomplished on this earth, he didn't accomplish as God. What he accomplished on this earth, he accomplished as man that he's able to connect with every emotion that you've ever felt at every level that you've ever felt and ever faced. Paul says it this way in 2 Corinthians chapter 8, verse 9. He says, for you know the grace of our Lord Jesus Christ. For though he was rich, everybody say rich. Yet for your sakes, he became poor so that through his poverty, you might become rich. Think about that now. What was his poverty? He left behind his superpowers. What was his poverty? He died on the cross. So the painful element for him, at this point in time, he has seen hundreds of crucifixions. But what made this crucifixion different was not the physical pain, but was all the emotions and all the feelings and all the sin of the world on the shoulders of Jesus Christ. The fact is that he wore baby clothes is just the beginning. It doesn't end there now. He becomes reacquainted with those strips of cloth. He becomes reacquainted with those strips of rags. And at the, re at the resurrection, we read in John chapter 20, verse 5, Peter bent over and looked in the tomb and saw the strips of cloth laying there now this is how my mind works can i share with you how my mind works thank you james thank you whoever said please listen jesus is resurrected from the grave and the very first thing he does is laundry he's resurrected from the grave he takes the linen cloth the same possibly type of linen cloth that he was wrapped in as a baby He's wrapped in as his resurrection. They would wrap up the body. He's resurrected from the get grave. He's so excited, but he's like, hold on a second. I got to go back and, and fold these linen strips. What? Somebody ask why. Thank you. Because Jesus was a priest. And one of the priestly duties when they were done um, operating their duties as a priest covering the sins of the world, they would wear linen. They would take their linen strips off and as a sign of the completion of their priestly duties, what would they do? They would fold those linen strips up to say, I'm done. I am finished. I've completed my task as a priest. So Jesus, when he's resurrected, goes back and says, I'm going to fold my linen cloth as a symbol that I'm done and that your sins are paid for once and for all. Now, do you also notice that Jesus didn't need to have the stone rolled away before he resurrected? Like when they rolled the stone away, he was gone. I always pictured Jesus going, hey guys, let me out. Pull the stone away. That's how I know, sorry. That's how my mind works. So his strips of linen now, the way it's written now in John chapter 20, verse 5, in the original Greek, is the same Greek word lying there as we see in Luke chapter 2, verse 12. It's not just a random lying there. When it says that he will be lying in a, in a, in a feeding trough, it's lying literally means he's appointed there. This is about destiny. This is, a, this is an intentional moment. So when Jesus said, you see the strips of cloth lying there, this is, I've been appointed. Some of you, you're all so consumed with your destiny, you forget that there's a duty that you have to perform that points you to your destiny. Am I talking to somebody here? There's an intentional thing here. 
Jesus just didn't wear baby clothes. He also wore grave clothes. But one day he's coming back as a king of kings and as a lord of lords. And he's going to be dressed as a king. He's going to be wearing a robe with a crown saying, I am the king of kings and I am the lord of lords. This is what the message Bible says in 2 Corinthians chapter 8 verse 9. I am hoping to bring the best out of you. You are familiar with the generosity of your master, Jesus Christ. Rich, I want to stay here for, you want to know what the word rich means in the Greek? Yes? yes. Good. Rich means the never-ending blessings of salvation that are available to you right now. Every time I talk about, you know, when I ask, hey, do you want to be rich? People are like, well, <laughs> I won't go to heaven. How many of you want to be, just yes or no, how many of you want to be rich? Okay. Okay, I get yes right there. Every once in a while, I'm like, Lord, just give me one chance to be a good steward of several million dollars. Just one chance. Some of you had that one chance. Oh, snap! But understand, I know rich people who are poor. I know poor people who are rich. But here we're talking about the never-ending never blessings of salvation that are available to you right now. It says, he gave it all away for us. In one stroke, he became poor so that we could have the never-ending blessings that are available through us right now. And this is, where remote, this, is where, this is where we miss it. This is where this is where we miss it. This is where you see people that are confident, and you're like, man, everything's going well for them. No. I'm just crazy enough to believe that this is true. Paul says, if I'm out of my mind, it's because of him. If I'm in my right mind, it's because of, it's because of you. If I'm behaving, it's because of you. If I'm misbehaving in the gospel and I'm doing crazy things, it's because of heaven. And this is it. Some of you have, you were so passionate and so daring before you came to Jesus. And then you got saved and something happened. When you were pagan, you saw more things happen than you were a believer. See, you don't, have to, you don't have to be anything special, but all you have to do is have your eyes up to the sky, looking for the miracle to happen in your life, looking for things to happen. God had a plan that needed to be accomplished. It's not about the rescue. It's about the revelation behind the rescue. It's not just to he help you, but it's to heal you. The problem that I'm having in part of this story is that the pagans understood it more than the believers. They were looking up. We're looking around saying, God, what's the plan? What's the plan? God, I need... See, some of you are trying to... You're so consumed with the plan that you forget. He, does not, he's, he didn't ask you to figure out the plan. He asked you to be acquainted with his ways. And this is the difference between GPS and Rand McNally. Remember those old maps? Come on, Angie, Angie remembers it. She's a millennial, whatever, <laughs> generation, whatever. You see, at least with the maps, you actually knew where you were going, and you saw the whole broad scheme, but you had to upgrade it. I remember my mom would come visit us. She had, like, Rand McNally from 1974. I'm like, Mom, you have to update it because there are new roads, new things are happening, and you have to upgrade what, what is happening so you can get to your destination. Hello. But with GPS, it's like you just go, boom. Just get me there. You don't care about the journey. You just want to get there. And the Spirit of the Lord is saying that you're so consumed with the plan that at least the pagans were expecting 
And then when they went to go worship Jesus, they brought gifts. And the Bible says they worshiped. But they were pagans. But they worshiped because what they were expecting came true. And then when they were done, they left. They didn't worship to receive. They worshiped. They left their gifts. They, and their gift was the fact that they saw the product of what they were expecting, the sign. That's what's been. So you don't have to be special or unique or have extra supernatural faith. You just have to have your eyes up and expecting the Lord to have great things in your life. Those riches are made available to us right now. This moment. Provision is now. When they went to worship Jesus, they were like, we saw the sign, we saw the star, we heard of a king coming, we want to worship him. Remember the story of Abraham, when the Bible says when he was about to kill Isaac, the angel stopped him, and in these words exactly, in the New King James Version, the Bible says that Abraham looked up, turned around, and the ram was caught in the thickets. Now, the way that's written in the original Hebrew, that ram was there the whole time. What if I'm going to tell you that what you're looking for for God to do is already happening now? But the problem is, like the Jews, we think, nope, it has to happen this way. And you're like, shut up, Lord, I rebuke the devil, I rebuke you. And the ram is right there all the whole time. The sign is in the sky. But we're consumed with the road. We're consumed with, okay, what's the plan? When the way is really looking up, looking into the heart of God. Stop seeking what's in his hand and begin seeking his face. What if I'm telling you right now that the ram is there the entire time? The way it's drafted in the Hebrew, the Bible says, what did he do? He looked up. He looked up. Almost like, wow, I have insight. Turned around, and the answer was there the entire time during his panic. The answer was there. So what if now, let's, let's push this out there for you. Right now, the provision is made. The provision is done. But we have this notion that it has to happen a certain way. Do you have that in your mind, how it has to happen? It's noble. In fact, if you shared it, we'd be like, it makes sense to me. You ever come up with a plan, you're like, man, that's good. Psst. I'm such a systems guy. And God's like, that's dumb. Yeah. Just clear all the board, everything. It's like when you're losing your monopoly, what do you do? You guys do that. No, no. no. It's been a long time. Two days? No, but anyway. God says, nope, clear the board. Provision. Look at the word. Pro vision. Pro means what? You force something. Vision is you force something to happen that God said is going to happen. That's true provision. True provision is not something that happened. You said it's going to happen. True vision is saying something that God said he's, it's going to happen. And the entire time, it's happening behind Abraham. The entire time. Look up for your redemption, draweth nigh. The, you have, 
you have to have your eyes to the sky. Just anticipate the news, and the sign will make sense. Provision. What if? I'm going to put this on you right again. The ram that's caught in the th thickets, it's caught in there. We don't, the Bible don't say how long he was caught, but he was caught there for a while. What if the provision is already made and you're doing it your own way? Remember Abraham and Ishmael. Abraham said, hey, this is not working. Let me go lie. Let me lie with Haggai and, and, and Hagar, whatever. Ooh, what a name. Dude, red flag. <laughs> That's her name? No. Stick with Sarah. Ugh. And do you know the Israelites are still struggling with Abraham's decision? Because the descendants of Ishmael are the Arabs. So although we pray for Israel, and don't forget to pray for Palestine as well, right? I'm like, is Jews, Israel, man, you, your great, 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 great grandfather made this decision to lay with Hagar and had Ishmael. And this is the product of your decision. This is it. But if you wait long enough and look up and have, and have your eyes open, the pagans' eyes were more open than the believers' eyes. And this is the whole thing of you're getting this, you're getting so good at this that you started to miss things. That there's, there's a certain rhythm of heaven that you're beginning to miss. And there's a metronome of heaven that he has set, but we want to do our own thing because it's faster and it's quicker and it makes more sense. And then you end up making a decision that affects a lifetime of generation. But today's the day. Today's the moment. Jesus Christ died on the cross for you. He was resurrected from the grave. He performed the ultimate act of priesthood and now he wants to come and, and grant you provision. The real breakthrough, the real answer is not what you get. The real answer is what you receive. That's it right now. Father, we're thankful for this moment. Lord, we are eternally grateful, God. Thank you for your word. It's tucked away in the depth of our heart. I want to say thank you for sending Jesus. And I pray you'd forgive us for panicking, Lord. Because if we look up with insight and turn around, we'll see the provision. We'll see the provision. Now, I don't know what you're expecting from the Lord. But let me say it this way. Don't be upset with me now. Stop expecting for a moment. Because you're expecting is about to produce an Ishmael. Cut it out. Just stop. The ram is behind you. It's there. And like the Magi, their reward was, I had Jesus born? Oh, I got a prayer request. Their reward was just seeing him and worshiping him. And then went home. I mean, they didn't even say the sinner's prayer. They didn't, nobody led them to the Lord, but they just worshipped. Magi, pagans, supersti superstition should never be greater than supernatural. But in their minds, they were like, simple. 
a star, a king, let's go worship him. We're like, well, I don't know. He's wrapped in rags. There's no parade. I'm going to wait for the parade. Problem is, you're going to wait for the parade and miss the whisper. Don't miss his whisper. Don't miss the mode in which he wants to send to you. It's going to be very different. Maybe very different than what you're expecting right now. So we ask for forgiveness and we move from this moment. And we gain heaven's insight. Heaven's prescription. 2020 vision. And we look up to see the sign. Lord, as a result of this moment of shifting around, Lord, we see miracles happen. I see miracles happening in this church. Coming at the right time. The Christmas miracle that we want the fireworks. But you're coming to us in a whisper. We're looking for a crown, but we see shrouds of rags and a feeding trough. Take a step back, Lord. We're going to stop expecting because we're about to do something wrong. And just seek your face. Just like the Magi. Simple. We heard. We see. Now we want to worship. And we have gifts. But nothing in return. So it's time we move away from seeking his hand and begin to seek his face. Because when you seek his hand, you may receive what's in his hand but miss his face. But if you seek his face, you receive a revelation of his face and then receive what's in his hand.